Hello and welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Jake Schuster. So Jake worked in elite sport for over a decade before deciding to launch his own company to solve a clear and obvious challenge of building a predictive analytics tool that makes data-driven decisions more accessible. So with that in mind, he launched Gemini Sports, which hopes to bring artificial intelligence to sports teams. So without further ado, it's time to welcome Jake onto the show. So Jake, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Matt, it's great to be here. I was worried we would get caught DMing each other every few months until one of us died. <laughs> it's been, I've really enjoyed our, our chats and stuff, but uh, obviously I wanted to get you on for such a long time that, uh, yeah, I'm really, really happy that you could uh, make some time for us today. So massive thanks. No, thank, thank you. And I, I, I don't really listen to sport uh, podcasts anymore, but this is, this is one that just keeps popping out good content. Oh, thank you very much, mate. That's very kind. So um, talk, talk us through who you are and what you've been up to until now. Give us the, the quick rundown. Yeah, thanks. Um, so I'm, I'm Jake. I, uh, I worked in sports for, I guess, eight or nine years. I actually uh, did an internship in my undergrad uh, where you are now full time and um, kicked on to do my master's at Loughborough University. Uh, went over to work with New Zealand Sevens, the women and men's program uh, in 2016 uh, on, a, on a PhD scholarship. Went from there, uh, briefly worked for USA Field Hockey, Florida State. Uh, and then valid performance where I was the senior scientist there for, for a year. Um, and, and as part of that, um, I just kind of, kind of saw a problem that I wanted to solve. I mean, I'm a, I'm a knucklehead strength coach with doctoral work in, in biomechanics. I, I failed data camp Python, um, during lockdown. Um, so I'm not a data scientist and I definitely don't play one on TV, but I, I, I saw a problem that I wanted to solve and I'm sure we're going to get more into that. Yeah, absolutely, mate. So, like, take take us through that. What what was the problem, and yeah, what what did you come up with? Well, I, everywhere I traveled, I, I saw that we we were sitting on so much data and not making the most of it. And even though it's a, it's a really awesome to see an important step that so many teams are hiring uh, full time specialized data scientists and analysts. Um, you know, hiring five is is a drop in the bucket when. Teams that have 35 tell you that they don't get answers fast enough. And most you know, big businesses and mainstream industries have 350. Um, so ultimately, I, I saw the need for a software tool that um, could be a productivity tool for those technologists and then an accessibility tool for people who don't write code, where someone like a high performance manager, a strength coach, or, or a scout, or even a technical coach should be able to ask basic questions of the data sets that they've got um, without having to to rely on uh, a $250,000 machine learning specialist. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a fairly hefty budget. So um, so what, what's the, what have you come up with? Obviously, it sounds fantastic, right? Like better use of data, <laughs> everyone wants to integrate that better, save loads of money, but like what, what's the end product? Yeah, I, I, ideas are cheap, right? The execution's the, the hard part. Um, so, so what we've done is we've created a, a no code, and by, by that I mean an, an application where you don't have to write any, any computer programming um, web app that, that allows anyone to perform machine learning projects. Um, <clears throat> sorry. So uh, what that means is they're able to take a, any kind of data set that they have um, and, and ask a question of it, be it a classification question like, uh, is this player going to make it from the juniors or the academy into the pro level? Um, a regression, so a kind of prediction, um, a clustering set, so show me all the different uh, archetypes of left wingers out there, um, or a time series, you know, how many, uh, 
how many home runs is this player projected to hit over the next three years? Um, and and perform a, a project using one of those kinds of kinds of algorithms um, on technology variously called the AI cloud or automated machine learning. What that really means is it's just cloud-based software that automates um, most every step of the data science lifecycle. Um, so right now, uh, Many people are just hand coding things in Python, pulling out one by one machine learning packages. Um, and what, what this kind of tech does is, is it actually pulls all of those automatically from all the major packages out there on the internet um, and then spins up actually hundreds of models at once and then ranks them in a leaderboard so you can choose them by performance or really accuracy and explainability and then deploy those models uh, quickly and easily to, to really run predictions and, and get quick insights. Now, this isn't some magical idea that I have. This is tech that's been out there used by banks, military, manufacturing for six to eight years. Um, there's several multi-billion dollar enterprise software companies in this space. And we've just really partnered, partnered with the best um, and built a, an application on top of that that has a user interface that is fr friendly enough for people like you and I uh, to leverage. And so, you know, what we've done is we've taken about three to $600,000 worth of, of software that is really just tools for data scientists and put it in, into an application for a fraction of that cost um, that can allow non-technical people to ask data-driven questions. Uh, the the sounds really interesting, of course, and we can have a little look in just a second about um, what exactly you think that means for the sporting world. But um, I'm also interested to to hear how you made that step as well. So obviously you come up with an idea and let's say I'm in your shoes and I go, oh, that's a really good idea. And you say all the things you just said to me, I have no idea how to go from A to Z. Like how <laughs> how do you how do you start on that journey? Yeah, me too. And, and you know, we were saying offline, like I wouldn't have put myself in the top quartile, maybe not even the top half of strength coaches in terms of technical knowledge um, before taking this journey. I was just a guy with an idea who found some smart people to build that idea. Um, so, you know, I'll take a half step back and, and briefly summarize, you know, when, when I was at Vald, I, I got to see a lot, of, a lot of teams. Right. And and that just reinforced this this vision and this idea that I had in my head. Um, but I was traveling way too much. Um, and and I just completely burnt out. And and frankly, when you when you bounce around early careers in sport, I don't think it leaves you a lot of time to do necessary growing up. Um, so at the end of 2019, I moved to Miami and just said, I'm going to I'm going to walk away from sport for a while. I did the unthinkable and I became a personal trainer um, and I worked at at the, the coolest gym in Miami. I was training. DJs, models, CEOs, um, a lot of smart and ambitious people. Um, and I, I kind of was slowly running this idea by a lot of them and got a lot of encouragement um, and eventually decided to, you know, to pull the cord and, and went for it um, towards the end of 2021. Um, and the first four people uh, that I told that I was going full time each gave me $10,000 investment. Um, and that kept the roof over my head. Um, and I went and stacked on top of that and was able to eventually hire a, a product design agency. And we interviewed 27 teams, all, all personal connections of mine, who gave feedback on, like, what product do we actually want? What's going to solve the problems that we had? And I took that design and I pitched about 40 venture capital firms uh, for investment that would have allowed us to, to hire people. I got about, uh, let's say, 20 ghosted us. Seven said, no, come back later. 
Two said, we're in if a, if a strategic sports investor comes in, and then one strategic sports investor came in. Uh, and that group is called Lead Sports Lake Nona. That stands for Legacy of Adi Dossler. So it's a joint venture between the family offices of the founder of Adidas, um, the owner of Tottenham, and then there's, there's some... Uh, there's some big name investors that have joined the group as well. Um, and so that allowed us to hire a couple of engineers away from the Houston Astros that I'd gotten to know during my time working with them in, uh, at Valve, um, a data architect from the NBA and, and a group of software developers around that. Um, and we built our version 1.0 in, in under six months and have launched it with our uh, kind of original three partners. And that's, that's all materialized really across this, this past summer and autumn. That's absolutely mad, mate. Like it's, it's amazing to hear, okay, idea, investment, product, and be like, that, that can happen that quickly? I mean, like, obviously, it's a long time. When you're doing it, I'm sure it's, it seems like such a, a long process. But in actual fact, to come up with such a huge thing so quickly is, is pretty impressive. Yeah, it, it, I'm glad you said that because it, it does feel like an agonizingly long time. It felt like crossing the desert just to get to that first $1.5 million raise, and you'd be astonished how fastly that goes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, but I, I find myself so often impatient with, with the product and, and, you know, because one other note, I think it's important to say is we've, we've all been, been jaded by software that under promises or sorry, that uh, over promises and under delivers uh, and that is hiding behind black boxes. And I just am so determined to do the opposite. Um, and so, you know, sometimes we'll talk to teams and they'll say, does it have this bell or that whistle? And we'll say, well, not, not quite yet. And I have to realize this is just, this is just version 1.0.0. So it's a, uh, it's a, it's a mental challenge to get excited about that, but it's, it's a fun one. Oh, I can imagine mate, And super challenging too. But when, when we're looking at the applications of AI in sport, obviously it has the potential to be a complete game changer. So of those kind of those things that you really think will change the game, I'd love to go through a top three. Um, so what do you think is going to be the biggest game changer when it comes to AI and sport? Yeah, so I'll cheat the answer a little bit and give give four use cases and then and then two kind of thematic ways that AI is going to affect sports. So, you know, the, the use case uh, buckets that we think of our application working in um, is anything in talent identification, talent development, tactics, and then let's call it player health and, and performance. Um, you know... AI is, is so mystified, um, and, and I think we all kind of roll our eyes as strength coaches when we see these ads about um, computer vision and, and player tracking and, and looking in such granular detail. And we know it's, it's much more big picture stuff often that we need to affect. Um, so really just being able to look at large data sets of uh, potential recruits uh, that you might bring into your team and being able to look at those uh, with a little bit more of an exact eye, whether it's it's the scouts bringing you a list of players and you running them through a clustering exercise and saying, well, this is why I do or don't think that they fit our playing style or vice versa, where you say, we know that you can't look at 20,000 players. So look at these 200 uh, based on our analysis. Um, and then, and then the same goes for talent development. We all want to know who from our academy or youth groups um, is most likely to make it. Um, it really is just asset management at the end of the day. Um, and then tactics. Um, one thing that AI is helping us do is, is speed. Um, is allowing us to look at things week on week or day by day rather than uh, taking a month or six weeks to, to build up a model. Um, and then load management, I actually think, is, is the hardest thing to do. Um, I, I, always, uh, I always cringe a little bit if someone says that they're going to predict injuries. Now, you can do forecasts, right? You know, weathermen still have jobs and they're wrong most of the time. Um, and it's, wor it's worth looking at it. It's, it's worth trying. 
Um, but given that stuff is so multifactorial, I think that we can uh, we can use machine learning to do things that we can't when it, when it comes to comparing apples to oranges, force plate data, the GPS, and so forth. So uh, to summarize, the two the two things I think AI is going to do to, to change sports is just speed and accessibility, right? Being able to iterate over questions that you have and get answers a lot faster. Uh, someone called that like meeting preparedness, right? Just just coming coming ready to actually uh, have information to help decisions along. And then accessibility. I don't think that there should be this man versus machine dynamic where you get a coach that just hates the quantitative analyst and they're always at loggerheads. That's not how we that's not how we mature as an industry. So I think I think data science should be accessible to more people so that we can just have better conversations. I almost wish we would stop calling it data and just start calling it information. <laughs> I mean like it yeah, it is information, right? So when when you take those examples, like can you give us a little uh, potential case study? So if you, you're projecting that into the future, um let's say you take one of those examples, let's say it's tactics, you're going to take a load of data from uh, your opposition, and you're going to take all your own data. Like, what what can we expect from, uh, from a machine? Yeah, I love that question. You know, I, I think, especially because we're both non-data scientists, and probably most of your audience is, is in that case as well, it's important to outline, like, building and operationalizing a machine learning model by hand takes four to six weeks. So, you know, a lot of teams might be looking towards the playoffs or their peak event and just running one algorithm for that. And that's helpful. That's cool. But what if we could do it week by week or day by day? So if you're playing uh, an opponent every single Saturday and you want to look at their strengths and weaknesses and what are, what are the optimal tactics, you know, what can we focus on against them? What's the playing style that's going to be most effective uh, against them? If we can run an analysis week by week and, come into that game knowing what decisions we want to make in certain scenarios, what lineup we want to play. Um, and maybe even, you know, if, if they're a first half or second half team, things like that, that's all information that, that isn't really data driven right now that will be. I think that's really interesting. And I, when, when you get into the nitty gritty, what can you, what can you expect? Is it going to tell you, for example, um, that uh, team a leave more space in zone F and therefore you can exploit that? Or is it just going to be like, oh, play, your, play your fast winger this week? Yeah, it, it, can, it can be either, really. And I, I think you've, you raised an important one, that it's, it's useful to differentiate between descriptive statistics and predictive analytics. I think the term analytics is thrown around way too much, and it, it very frequently is not truly analytics. And that's fine, right? Doing any kind of statistical analysis um, is, is important and being able to say, yep, this team's really bad. Uh, you know, their left winger tires uh, frequently at the end of the game. So attack them. That's, that's super helpful. And we can always do a better job in that. And, and that's the bottom of the pyramid for sure. Um, but predictive analytics, true machine learning predictions are, are, are saying things like if you put on this sub, then, um, you know, against that left winger that tires, you're 30% more likely to score, to score a goal in the last 10 minutes. And, and I think also, Matt, you know, I think the media wants us to think that analytics is all like game-changing insights and completely new information that we never would have seen. It's the needle in the haystack. And I actually think true analytics should be more like confirming or refuting what we already think. Right? We're, the, we're the domain experts for, for a reason, or the technical coaches are, I should say. And, and if you can say, well, this is what I'm looking at. Let's run an analysis on that and see if it makes sense or not that allows us to evolve our decision-making. I think that's a really interesting point as well, because it's, it's easy to get caught up and say, oh, this is going to teach us uh, 
how to play and this, this computer can run our session, for example, or run our, run our tactics. Um, but there is a human element too. So how do you think that coaches can best use that data when they have that data coming in? What do you think the processing looks like then? They, they get that information where they, they see, for example, or oh, the, the left winger needs to, is getting tired. So we're going to put this player on the 30% chance of increasing uh, our, our goal scoring. But what's the process like then for the coach? What do they need to consider? Are there, are there any other factors or do they need to um, to just say, oh, we believe in this. This is the way we're going to go. I think it's all about input output. I, you know, machine learning models work on training sets and testing sets. So you train the model, you basically make it smart by giving it data. And then you test that by bringing in the data you want to look at. So maybe you're looking at every left winger in Europe and you train the model and then you bring in the 10 that you, you think you might want to buy and, and you test the model on that. And that's your prediction. That's, that's the insight that you get. And, you know, I'll just use an example in, in American football where uh, they're all deciding whether to go for it or not on fourth down. It's kind of similar to uh, deciding to kick or strum in rugby at a foul. And, it's awesome that there are data teams informing those decisions. And it's awesome that the league is focusing on that right now. Um, and I'm sure they're doing an amazing job. I always wonder to myself, what information aren't they including in those models? And what do the coaches see that is not being input into those models where a coach can provide their bias and test it against those models. And that makes the model smarter as you go on. And uh, that raises a really interesting point as well. Like what data do you need to make this good and worth it? Like do you, is is this something that you can do on really simple data sets or is it is the value really in computing things which are which is way beyond the the insights of for example a data analyst mm, that's a good question I, I think i think we'd be surprised how much value is hiding in plain sight where you know i was talking to a, a college that we're just starting to partner with this morning about this where there's a lot of teams that have this problem, right? Where you, you you have a lot of different variables, a lot of different data sources, but you might have at best two years worth of data on a given athlete. Um, so it's kind of a, a mile wide and an inch deep. And the good thing about modern machine learning is it, it can work with a lot less data uh, than it used to need to get out value. Um, but it does need a lot of different variables to run against one another often. Um, so, you know, using publicly available data, using on-field data, uh, you can enrich a lot of data sets to find interesting information. I mean, we have a, a sample data set that we use in our demos that's just college basketball box scores and then high school recruiting rankings to predict someone's longevity in the NBA. Uh, and it's, it's, it's fairly accurate. I think that's really interesting. Have you got any other examples of, of stuff that has already been used? Yeah, yeah. So I'll give a, a soccer or a football, I should say, use case. Um, this is actually our first our first customer. This is our first project with them um, in the partnership. So we we did a clustering analysis of every team in in uh, well, I should say, in the top ten leagues in Europe um, for soccer, and we basically broke them down into twenty different clusters. Um, so by playing style, so you know, twenty seventeen Barcelona and twenty twenty one Napoli might be in a in a cluster together, right? Based on um, you know, fast, uh, short passing, lots of verticality, not too many crosses, et cetera, et cetera. Basically six of those 20 clusters are, are good teams. Uh, the, the leadership of that team pointed out at that analysis and said, okay, we want to play like that group. We want that kind of playing style. And then we looked at the expected goal difference of the team and said, what's negatively impacting their performance the most. We looked at those factors as it related to the playing style that they wanted. And then we found a list of players who would improve those factors for them 
that were in the range of affordability. And that's really, really interesting. So basically they've, they've analyzed what they want. Then they've analyzed the potential players who could improve them to, to be like that. And then you've given them effectively a, a shopping list where you can say, look, um, these players will probably make you better. Go and send your scouts or, or whatever. Um, yeah, do your, exactly. do your extra work. Exactly. And, and, and I mean it when I say it's not about finding crazy insights. You never guessed that this player was going to be good for you. It's about saying, hey, scouts, we know that you don't have time to look at, at 20,000 players. You know, look, look at these 20. Like, what do you think of these 20? Pick which ones you like best. And that's the shopping list. And, and it's iterative, right? I know I keep saying that word, but it's really about being able to not just ask a really good question, number one. It's about being able to get through 10 questions in the time that you had previously for one. Because eventually you'll, you'll want to look at that list and say, who's undervalued? Right. Who could who could we get for better than their market price? Who's going to be who's going to have the highest value in three years when we want to sell them on? Um, who's going to fit our playing style better than the team that they're currently playing for? There's always more questions. I think that's a, an amazing insight. So, Jake, massive thanks for your time and effort today. It's been a pleasure talking. Um, where can people find more about you and what you're doing? Oh, thanks, Matt. It is uh, GeminiSports.ai. Uh, you can email me at Jake at GeminiSports.ai. Absolutely fantastic. So, Jake, massive thanks for your time and effort. I really appreciate it and uh, look forward to speaking again soon. Matt, it's an honor. Thank you. Cheers, buddy. And that's it once again. A massive thanks to Jake for all of his hard work on today's podcast. I really appreciate it and I'm sure you do at home too. Before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of the Science of Sport Coach Academy. Now, the Coach Academy is an overgrown library of online sports science courses which are broken down into bite sized chunks. That means that you can fit them in and around your busy coaching schedule. And of course, when you complete every single course, you will receive a certificate of completion, which means you can prove your ongoing education. So if you're interested in getting in there completely for free, you can do that using the link in the show notes in just a few seconds time. And of course, if you have enjoyed today's podcast, it'd be fantastic if you could give us a like and a share on social media and of course, recommend it to a coach, a colleague, an athlete or a friend. That means that we can keep bringing you the best possible guests and the best possible content. And that's it. I've been Matt Solomon for Science of Sport, and I'll speak to you next week.